when we break a barrier into something else, when we value ourselves a little bit higher, we're pulling everyone else up as well. Instead of feeling like they're taking away where we're going to be so much better off and we're going to be so much stronger if we all try to support each other. Hello and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. All right. Well, welcome back to Pursuing Health. I am very excited to be here today with a special woman who needs no intro, Annie Thor's daughter. She is an 11-time CrossFit Games competitor from Iceland. She has six podium finishes, including back-to-back first-place finishes in 2011 and 12, and a remarkable third-place finish just one year after giving birth to her daughter. And most recently, she took on the team competition, finishing fourth with her team CrossFit Reykjavik at the 2022 CrossFit Games. She's also a repeat podcast guest, but this is the first time that it's just the two of us. So your your first time we sat down was with Frederick, and then we had an episode with Camille um, a couple of years ago when you were both pregnant. So I'm excited just to get the full Annie story on this episode. So thank you so much for taking the time and joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Well, that's funny that it's never been me myself. I hadn't even realized. I, know. I hadn't realized it either. And then when I went back, I was like, oh, this is very exciting. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Thank you so, for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm so excited. There's so much I want to talk about. Um, obviously, so much has happened since the last time we chatted. But just, um, to get, just to get a sense of where you're at now, you're just coming off the 2022 games on a team. You just competed at Rogue as an individual. You've got a two-year-old just give us some insight into what life is like these days for you. Life is amazing. Busy, hard, but very rewarding. So yeah, just came off the games and just competed at Rogue Squad like two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first time competing as an individual now for a year. So it was mm-hmm. really fun to get on the floor and do that again. After I came home, it's been just like a little bit of a downtime spending more time just like relaxing with Freya and doing one session a day. We're working, we're building a house. So we've been spending a lot of hours. We're trying to do as much as we can ourselves. Oh, Uh, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of hours. Because you don't have enough going on. (laughs) You don't have to build a house (laughs) yourselves. (laughs) It's really, really rewarding though to get to be, obviously there's tons of stuff that we cannot do, but I do have a lot of assistance in my family. So my dad owns like a masonry company. Okay. So he can like help us out yeah, and we try to try to put in work where we, where we can. That's amazing. So cool. And are you, and I'm assuming this is in Iceland. Is it in the area that you grew up? It's not in the area that I grew up, but it's like seven minutes away from that area. Okay. It's a very nice, we got, that was what matters a lot to us is having a view. Uh, and mm-hmm. we do have like, we can look over the water and we have like unspoiled, almost like countryside right next to us wow. still in the city, which is what is important to me. Um, yeah. Not have too far to drive to cross Reykjavik. So it's like a 10 minute drive to cross Reykjavik. 
and we can go literally just out our door for a bike, uh, bike ride. Uh, that is amazing. Like nature <laughs> off-roading. So it's really, really like, I'm very excited to get there. What we're missing is it's not ocean. It's a okay. big, but we had to compromise somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Uh, congrats. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. Okay. So I'm switching gears a little bit. What, what I think one of the things that is most impressive to me and to so many people just about your career is that you, not just that you have been the fittest woman on earth twice, but that you continue to stay on the top of the sport and also overcome these really incredible obstacles and challenges for now for almost 15 years. And also while you do it, you seem to be so happy and so, so joyful and so I'm really curious about where that inner drive and motivation comes from and if it's changed over the years, because I think for me personally, I had this initial, when I first started CrossFit, this initial motivation of, oh, wow, I'm good at this. Of course, I'm going to keep going. It's fun. And then there was a point where things got hard and I had to really stop and dig deep and ask myself, why am I doing this and have more of a motivation than just, well, I'm good at it and people expect me to keep going. So can you just share about how that's changed for you over the years? Yeah, it's absolutely something that has had to change over the years. In the beginning, like you said, it was something I was good at. It was something I I just loved training. Um, I loved pushing myself. And I seemed to learn pretty quickly and become fairly good, fairly fast. And I was like, I can win the CrossFit Games. I can be the fittest woman on earth. And that was like the drive and the motivator. Then I won the games. The next year was a rough year because then the expectations were there. Mm -hmm. The pressure was there. And then like anything other than first place felt to me as me disappointing everyone and disappointing myself. So it was like, I learned so much that year because I like at the games, I wasn't after the first day, it didn't look like I was going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some bad finishes. I was miserable. Like I did mm-hmm. not enjoy competing. Mm-hmm. And I realized that like, I, I needed to do it for myself. And I had to think that my parents are going to love me just as much. My family is going to love me just as much. Mm-hmm. My sponsors don't matter. They weren't there before. Who cares if they're going to be there after? Like mm-hmm. they... I want to work with people that want to work with me and not because of my success. And it's hard, right? In the beginning, like I'm 21, 22, and it's hard to feel like you're not just identified by your success. Mm-hmm. And being able to just like, okay, I can't win the games anyways. Now I'm just going to go out there and do some fitness. Mm. And I started enjoying myself again. Then I started winning again when I felt like the pressure wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Where I wasn't thinking about other people's expectations. And I think that's something that I have learned throughout the years is that I appreciate that the people I appreciate the most and that I need are Frederick my parents, my family, like I need them. I appreciate my partners because they help me being able to do what I can do. Mm -hmm. I appreciate my supporters and fans, like people that reach out to me, talk to me, that follow me. They motivate me and wanting to do what I do 
and wanting to be the best version of myself. Like, honestly, they say I motivate them. They motivate me. Like (laughs) their stories helps me as well. Mm -hmm. It makes me want to be a better person. However, on the competition floor, what I had to learn is that all this noise doesn't matter. Like the haters out there, the fans out there, even my family, when I walk onto the floor, it's just me. Like Mm -hmm. no one else can affect how I'm going to perform except for just me, sometimes judges, but (laughs) it is, it's up to me how I'm going to do. And realizing that was big for me and realizing that I was doing it because I wanted to. I see it as I would have wanted this gift to be smaller, but a small gift that I had my back injury in 2013 because it I didn't know what I wanted to do after the games 2012. Mm-hmm. Yes, it ended up with me winning the games and it was incredible. And I learned so much that year, but I didn't know if I had the joy in it anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if I could enjoy competing anymore. Uh, And then I had my back injury and I realized how important not competing, but being fit is for me, how much joy I get from being stronger, getting stronger, being fitter, pushing myself, how important that part is for me. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I knew this was something that I wanted to continue doing. And that's why 2014 was an easier year because I was doing it for me. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the years, I've had to just like every year, there's been something I've thought about retiring since 2017. I wasn't Mm -hmm. ready after 2015 with a heat stroke. Uh, I wasn't ready after 2016 because that was, I was significantly fitter than mm-hmm. what happened in the games 2016. I just mentally was in a very bad place because of the heat stroke previous year. I hadn't worked mm-hmm. through my issues, started working with a sports psychiatrist. And that's when I kind of found my groove again. But for these recent years, every year is a bonus year. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I was going to want to continue competing after having Freya. That was never my goal. It was just, do I want to? Mm -hmm. Is my family ready for it? Is, can I do it without it coming down on me being able to take care of my daughter? I couldn't, I didn't have to sacrifice really any time with her. And that's why right now I'm I'm just doing it. I can't tell people if I'm retiring or not because I am still having fun. I Mm -hmm. have no idea how my body holds up the way that it holds up. I'm very smart with my training. I'm probably training less now than quite a lot of athletes, but I also know that I have, that's what I knew when I competed after giving birth, I wasn't physically ready Mm -hmm. in my opinion not ready to my standards, Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew I had the experience. I -hmm. knew that my body knew what to do. I had competed for nine years, like at the games prior Mm -hmm. to that, I knew that I knew what to do. Um, So just knowing that I have that experience in the bank, like I'm, 
yeah, motivation changes, but it has to be for me, it has to be enjoyable as well. Wow. There's so much there. And I love how you, you shared, it really was probably a blessing that even the the beginning of the 2011 competition didn't go as well as you wanted because it allowed you to take some of that pressure off and just have fun. And then the back injury allowed you to really find out why you loved it so much. And and again, took the pressure off having that year away and coming back and overcoming that injury. And so, you know, I think so important for all of us to know that when we have these obstacles thrown in our path, sometimes they're most of the time they are gifts and we learn from them and they can help us in the long run, but it's easy to get, get frustrated in the moment. So it's so cool to hear your perspective on that and just how important it is to do it for you and not, not for anybody else. And to know who your, your core team is, your family, and not to read too much into the expectations of anyone else or what their opinions are. That's really, really cool. It's hard. It's hard. And Mm -hmm. I'm still working on it. Like, I can preach these things and it's easy to say, but it's hard to work with. Mm-hmm. But it is something that as long as you're aware of it, you can, you learn and it becomes easier and easier. Yeah. Yeah. I think you also do such a good job of balancing this sort of grace for yourself and knowing you're just doing your best and you're doing it for you, but also always having this confidence that you are capable of winning and that everybody is beatable. And I think that that's a really hard balance for in a very, it takes a lot of maturity to be able to approach things that way. Um, and I know I learned so much from you. I know I've shared this story um, with you before, but how much in the 2011 games for me was this really memorable moment where I think I was maybe, yeah, I think I was winning going into the sled dog event, sled push event. And it was the last round and I was barely ahead of you pushing the sled. And I was so, I was so shocked, like, oh my gosh, how can I be beating Annie? Like she's the defending champion. And it, in my head, I had this moment where I just hesitated and I paused and then you went ahead and it showed me how important that mental attitude is of just knowing you're capable of winning and everyone is beatable in any moment. And, but then also like you said, not beating yourself up when you don't win. Like you said, you could you could have gone on after two years of being the fittest on earth and just beating yourself up every time you didn't finish first. But instead, you've approached it with such maturity and so, like just being proud of yourself for always giving your best effort and becoming better and growing in so many different ways. So thank you for, for teaching me that and for being such an example of that, because I think it's easy for people to, you know, to say, okay, I'm not, I'm taking the pressure off. I don't need to win, but then, but then taking their foot off the gas pedal and not believing that they're still capable. Yes. I think that's like a very uh, important differentiator there is that I, I'm not always confident and I think that's fine. Like, I think confidence is also overrated. You can also be mm-hmm. overconfident. And then let's say that you're like, oh, I'm going to win this competition. And then you go in and things don't go exactly your way. You're going to break down and you're not going to perform to your best. Mm-hmm. So I have a hard time saying that going into a competition, like, hell yeah, I'm going to win this competition. Cause I don't feel like I can say that because there are so many factors that are out of my control. Right. 
I can control how the other girls are going to do. I can control the events. I can control the judging. I can control the weather. Like there's a bunch of factors that you're not capable of being in control of. However, I never lack the belief of believing that I could win, that my fitness and my capability is good enough to win and be the best at something. Like I think... That is so important. And I think that was starting to frustrate me with Mm -hmm. Tia. By far the best competitor I have ever competed alongside and against. Mm -hmm. But like you can't, we as competitor can't put someone on a pedestal like that and be like, oh, she's unbeatable. Mm -hmm. Because that means that we're going to, if we're beating her in a workout, we're going to be like, oh my God, we're going too fast. Like <laughs> right. something is wrong here. Like we're going to break down at some point. Like I want all of us to go into our competition with the will to win. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important. Like you don't have to say I'm going to win, but you have to say, I'm going to do my very effing best to win <laughs> this competition. Like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I love that you say that because it's so true that our beliefs do become our reality. And so if every woman goes into the competition thinking that just expecting that Tia is going to win everything, then that's most likely going to become a reality. And, you know, the reality is that, you know, there are women who are capable of beating her in certain events and even overall. And so, you know, I love that you called that out. It's going to be very hard to beat her because she has very few weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) of course we need to believe it. Like it's not going to be fun to watch if none of us think that we can beat her. (laughs) That's right. And I love how that raises the the bar for everyone. Just you putting that out there. It's really cool. I'm sorry if you hear construction sounds around. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. Downstairs actually. (laughs) Oh, wow. So cool. Are you at the gym now or... No, I'm at our, we're renting apartments. Um, oh, okay. Place. Got it. But we do have a bike in the background. This is my like. There we go. That's perfect. That <laughs> <laughs> I can always do my phone too at home if needed. That's perfect. Um, well, you've, you've referenced already a bunch of the different challenges that you've been through, you know, your back injury, the heat stroke that you had with Murph, um, you know, having Freya, becoming a mom, coming back from that, especially after a very traumatic, um, birth experience. And, and you've been very open about your experience with postpartum depression as well. Also not to mention all the turmoil with CrossFit and the CrossFit games over the last few years that you've really helped to lead other athletes through given your experience. But can you share just some of the things that you've learned from those challenges, things that have helped make you a better person, a better athlete? by going through all these things. Oh, wow. I don't know. Like <laughs> from which one? I feel like you learned from all of them. Yeah. Um, oh, I definitely, what I learned the most was becoming a mom mm-hmm. because going from being a professional athlete where I don't want to say that you have to be selfish but you need to put yourself first very often. It is something that I tend to struggle a little with, but it is something that you need to be able to do. And after having a child, 
you don't come first anymore. I don't come second anymore. Like um, she is definitely priority number one, two, and three. So after her, it was like I would try to train when she was asleep, and then she would wake up. I would then want to be done with my training. So I had like a specific time frame, mm-hmm. and then instead of feeding myself, I would always feed her first, mm-hmm. and then I would like make something. Like so, it was hard to weigh and measure everything I was eating. <laughs> I couldn't do like all the mobility and all the treatment that I was used to doing, like in the or nap between sessions. And like, I just had the window after she went to sleep. And then I was trying to do my scraping and mobility work and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then try to get to bed early. So like, I learned to be even more structured. Mm-hmm. And I've also learned or found out that it's not just about the hours that you spend in the gym it's the quality of training that you do Mm. and it's not about just doing the work it's about how you do the work I'd rather sometimes I had to prioritize sometimes I couldn't do all of my training because if something is hurting then it takes you longer to warm up and get ready for that specific moment but I would always rather Instead of just like, boom, 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 I did all of these things that were on the program. I'd rather be like, I crushed my squats. I hit the numbers and I did them all with the right intention, with good form, with great speed. I did that workout and I did it at full intensity. I got everything out of it that I was supposed to do and could be just like proud of everything I did in that training. And Mm -hmm. obviously after I'm afraid, there were a lot of things I had to modify but we always managed to get the most out of everything that I did. So I I see that I've learned a lot from then. And I've learned to be patient, uh, not just with other people, but also with myself. Mm. Patient and appreciative of my body and what I can do. Yeah, it's frustrating that I still have some pelvic floor. Like it's still not as strong as I would want it to be. I still have abdominal separation, but like, I will go through it all again. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't change anything. It's all worth it. And thinking a little bit more big picture now, like I am more grateful for my life than mm-hmm. I was before. I don't take things as much for granted. Like a lot of people say your life doesn't start until you have kids. I don't agree with that because I've lived an incredible life. I've gotten to experience so many things. By your priorities change and your perspective might change. And that has been something for, for me. It's like, I still love CrossFit and that's why I'm still competing. I still love pushing myself. And she actually became a motivator for me to just show that like, if I want to continue, I can. Mm-hmm. So can other women that have children. It's, it's not going to stop you. And it also shouldn't come down on your children. And that became a new factor for me. That became a new drive. I became a part of a new society. But yeah, I feel like I've grown so much through it all. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I love, I love seeing you. Questions though. <laughs> Sorry. Did that answer the question? Yeah, <laughs> that was perfect. And I love seeing you as a mom. It's so cool to see you out there and, and, you know, with Freya watching you and it's, 
it's just beautiful. And I know it, especially, you know, thinking back to your 2021 games performance, just how much that touched the whole community and just seeing the joy of you being out there and knowing that it was very much a last minute decision. You didn't even know if you were going to compete while you were traveling to the States. Um, so yeah, so cool. Would you share a little bit about, um, what you learned from going through, I know the, the birth was very traumatic and then you had a lot of postpartum depression afterwards. And, and especially as someone who's seen, you know, talking about like the perceptions of others and caring what other people think, but you're someone who's always seen as happy Annie Thor's daughter with a smile. Like that's just sort of your signature, you know, your, and so what was it like for you to go through that experience and what, what did you learn that you hope to share with other women who might be going through that experience? Well, it was absolutely crazy because mm-hmm. I just never understood depression. Like, mm-hmm. I know it may sound awful and you shouldn't say it, but I've been like, if someone is depressed, I obviously don't say it to their face, but I've been like, just go to the gym, just see people like <laughs> be happy. <laughs> you know? I don't get it. Yeah, it's always um, come so naturally to you. I didn't understand then until I actually, that's why I didn't know the signs either when I went through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I never expected that I could ever get postpartum depression. Yeah. It was kind of like, obviously it had a lot to do with how my birth was mm-hmm. and how badly I was damaged after, mm-hmm. after giving birth. Like I just lost so much blood mm-hmm. that I couldn't like, I went from such a great pregnancy where I could do everything and train until the last day, you know, uh, which is not a given into a horrible birth into, I wasn't expecting anything. It wasn't like I had this birth plan. I was like open for Mm -hmm. whatever, but I didn't expect this Mm -hmm. Uh, into being so dependent on others and not being able to take care of my daughter and myself. Mm. So that was just such a shock to me. Mm-hmm. Like someone had to stand right outside the bathroom door to help me stand up from the freaking toilet and take a shower. Like Frederick mm-hmm. had with me. It was just like, I couldn't sit. So I couldn't breastfeed sitting up. I had to be lying down. I couldn't carry her because I didn't have strength. Like I just wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And looking at my body, like it was fine when there was a baby in there. Now I just had this huge belly that was completely empty. I didn't mm-hmm. recognize myself looking in the mirror, looking down. It was just like, it was such a weird feeling going from being so independent into being so helpless. And I think the hardest thing was not being able to just like, I couldn't be alone with Freya and take care of her because I didn't know if I could, what if she starts crying and she doesn't just come down by lying with me. I need to maybe walk around with her. So mm-hmm. it's like feeling that helpless that I think started a spiral for me. Mm-hmm. And then I was so paranoid about her health I couldn't sleep. So I was just watching her all the time. The only time I felt happy, like, and believe me, I felt so happy was Mm -hmm. when I was looking at her. Mm -hmm. But that meant that I just had to look at her all the time or have her in my Mm -hmm. arms all the time. But I couldn't sleep because I was like, what if she stops breathing? Like, I can't. My life will end if Mm -hmm. something happens. 
through this this little baby like mm-hmm. it's so crazy um so after not sleeping for it was probably three days right in sleep wow. i had no appetite and even like usually frederick that's why it's so easy for me to be in a good mood because usually it's like i'll just feed her or give her <laughs> like a snack or a chocolate or whatever um <laughs> But I didn't even want chocolate. I didn't want pizza. I didn't want fajitas. Like I didn't want any of my treats. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I had appetite for nothing. And I was just like looking at TV. And that's when I got scared. I was like watching Big Bang Theory. And I was like, why are these actors even acting with this? Like we're all going to die. Oh, wow. And then I was like, okay, I, <laughs> I'm something wrong right now. And then I just like open up and talk to Frederick about it first and just crying a ton. And then I talked to my mom about it and I already feel like this just heavy weight lifted off me. It didn't mm-hmm. change, but it made me feel better. And then we, I pumped so that I knew that she would have milk and I slept for three hours mm-hmm. and I woke up and I started seeing colors again. So just getting those three hours of sleep already changed so much. I'm not saying that this was enough to just fix me. Mm -hmm. But then a week after having Freya, so like a couple of days later, we, I went out of our apartment, went out for a drive and I just saw life. I saw Mm -hmm. people out for a walk. I saw people at work. I saw people with their children, with their dogs. And I was like, life will continue. Mm-hmm. Time will heal wounds. I will recover. This is just an injury. It will take time. It will take time for me to and my body to heal up. It's not anything like I expected, but I will survive this. And just like realizing that there was still life made things already be better. And then when I posted about my birth, I didn't post about them depression yet. I wasn't ready for that. But when I posted about my birth, that also felt like a weight lifted mm. up because I felt like by sharing it, I was taking that power and maybe shame away mm-hmm. from me. And then I started getting messages from women that had gone through something similar. And that helped me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every time I talk yeah. about this, it's oh, beautiful so much mm-hmm. and that made me realize by me sharing was helping others and that made me realize that even though I did not want to I was going to share about my postpartum depression um thankfully it didn't take me very long to work through but it's because I shared mm. it's because I talked about it it's because I wasn't ashamed of the way I was feeling it had nothing to do with me it had nothing to do with my child. I loved her more than any, anything and love her more than anything. I think mm-hmm. that probably pulled me through this so quickly as well. But like thoughts are just thoughts. They're, it, they're not us. Mm-hmm. Our actions are who we are. Thoughts only have limited power over us and control and only the power that we let it have So me sharing that, I knew I would be helping others, even though I didn't want to be this like 
talk person for postpartum depression because I it's not like I knew a lot about it. I just knew what I had experienced. And I knew that after sharing my birth story, the responses I got helped me so much. It made me realize that I could help tons of women that were mm-hmm. ashamed of the way they felt because I heard this from my girlfriends and my girlfriends then started opening up. One of them had postpartum depression for a year before she did anything about it. Wow. She had like a hard time being with her child. Sometimes. Like she was always with her child, but she didn't have the need to like constantly hug her. And she had a mm-hmm. different postpartum depression, but like, it's something that if she could have worked through it sooner, it would have been so much better for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that there wasn't a shame about it. And that's why I decided to share about it. Uh, share my story and the response I got as well. Like I spent hours on reading messages from other women that had gone through something similar that were just grateful for me sharing. So I've decided I'm not ashamed of anything. I (laughs) nearly seldom have been, even as a kid, I would tell my mom anything that would happen. I like Uh once told her that I stole like, um, I was at bingo and I cheated. I didn't have a bingo and I felt so guilty about it. that I told <laughs> Like, I, I don't know. I feel better when I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be ashamed of anything that I do. Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. if, I think if you're ashamed, then there's probably something wrong with society or with what you did. Then you need to ask yourself a question. If, if there's something wrong with what you did, then, mm-hmm. um, but these things, it's just, we're human beings. We are. We're yes. complex and we are, we're social. We're meant to have support of others. And yeah, it's, if I can be there for other women, I will be there for other women. That's beautiful. And it's so healing. Like you said, to share your own experience is healing for you. Just because it's now, it's not kept in this little box that you're trying to hide and protect, but also now you're able to hear from other women and know I'm not alone. I'm not going through this by myself. There's not something wrong with me. And for other women as well, to see someone like you who has a platform that you do, where it could be easy just to put on this fake facade and everything's great and everything's perfect, but you're so real. And for them to see that also... Um, like you said, you know, like other competitors may put Tia on a pedestal. It's easy for general, you know, the general population to put someone like you, who's a professional athlete who has, you know, tons of followers and this, you know, big platform to put you on a pedestal as superhuman, but which you are, but you're also very much a human. human. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. So it's so beautiful. And I'm so glad that you've shared so much about you know, your experience there, but just in general, like you're very real and you share, you know, sharing about even how your body has changed since pregnancy and the things that are amazing and joyful and happy, but also some of the things that are hard. It just gives other women and people permission to do the same and to know that we're all human and and none of us are perfect. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, I think, I think it's important that we talk about these things more, that it's Mm -hmm. not this taboo because for me, I had unrealistic expectations after giving birth. 
because mm-hmm. all I had seen was like women are just popping back, <laughs> looking perfect, doing fitness. Like there is, I'm not going to say majority because I don't know. It still seems like most women just like, they're just back at it. It took me a really long time. And I'm sure there's other women that it also takes a really long time. Although it seems unfair of me to say it took a really long time podium at the CrossFit Games less than a year after giving birth to Freya. Mm -hmm. But that was insane amount of hard work as well. Mm -hmm. But the first six months were slow. They were Mm -hmm. slow, dude. Like it was... I thought I would be doing everything, like not everything, but most things four weeks to six weeks after giving birth. And I was so far from it. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there's not a ton of stuff that you can do. Right. You just can't do everything and you need to listen to your body. And it's frustrating. And I don't want to scare anyone either uh, because there is tons of stuff that you can do to get yourself yeah. back in shape. And you can get yourself back into whatever you want to be or be fitter than you were before your pregnancy. Like you can, but you need to be patient with yourself. You mm-hmm. need to give yourself time to heal so that you mm-hmm. heal properly. And some for some it's going to happen faster for others it's going to happen slower, but it doesn't change. It's going to happen. Right. We're all on our own timeline. Um, yes. Yeah. I love what you said too, about, you know, how our thoughts are just our thoughts and, I'm wondering how you, you know, having that realization, how you approach your thoughts now, are there tools that you use? Or if you, if you have crazy thoughts about things, how do you help to self-correct when you're having thoughts that, you know, maybe are not serving you? Well, when I have crazy thoughts, I'm like, all right, just let them pass. (laughs) Honestly, that's how I do it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's all about just becoming aware of them and realizing that they aren't, they don't have control over you. No, exactly. I'm not saying I have a ton of crazy thoughts. Totally. It's not like I don't let them control me when they pop up. And I can say that I'm not positive and happy most of the time because I am. Uh, But I'm definitely like, I'm also competitive and I beat myself down if I'm not like doing as good in something as I would want to be doing. And then I talk to myself in a negative way, but I also realize it's just like a voice in my head. Mm-hmm. And if that voice would be my coach, I would fire him. So I make a decision not to listen too much to that voice in my head. I can mm-hmm. listen to it, to it to an extent where it pushes me to be better, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not going to let it beat me down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's great. I think for people here too, just on this theme of you're human, you don't, you, you go through the same thought cycles as anybody else of, you know, doubting yourself or having, you know, beating yourself up when you're not meeting your own expectations and you don't have to get stuck in that loop. You can recognize that those are just thoughts and and let them go. And like you said, fire that coach, if that's who's talking right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also love one thing that I've just loved seeing, and I don't know if this is part of becoming a mom, but um, the fact that you're so comfortable with your emotions also, I know you like, even, you know, just sharing that story, obviously it, it was emotional for you, but you said at the 2021 games, you know, you cried every day watching videos of Freya because you missed her so much. And I know you lost your, your grandmother. That was a very emotional time. Um, but then you were able to, 
you know, get back into competitor athlete mode and focus on what you need to focus on. And I think it's so easy for people, especially athletes, especially people who are used to just pushing through pain and numbing and, you know, getting through it to also numb a lot of their emotions. So is that something that just comes naturally to you as who you are? Is that something you have to work through as well? I think it comes very natural to me. I've always been... I've always had the need to share and talk through things, talk through my feelings, talk through what I'm experiencing. And I've pulled, Frederick didn't used to share a lot, but I've (laughs) pulled pulled it out of him. (laughs) I'm like, tell me how that makes you feel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've always had to work through it. And he knows that too. Like he obviously knows me like Mm -hmm. that as well. So he knows that I need to get to talk about my feelings and Mm -hmm. what I'm experiencing. And I also think that's why our relationship is as good as it is. Like if something bothers me, if something hurts me, if something bothers him, I'm going to feel it and I'm going to want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't mean that we're constantly like crying or something, but (laughs) It means that we can work through it quickly and be happy and we can give each other the support that we need. Um, But yeah, I'm definitely, I've always been quite an emotional person. Even as a kid, if I would argue with my best friend, like I would usually start crying because it was just so painful to me to be arguing with someone I loved so much. Like Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm yeah a, you have that big heart. I watch, a, I watch American Idol and I'll start crying. I love that. I love that. So cool just to see how, you know, the different dimensions of you that you are such a, a tough competitor, but also have this big heart. And it's so hard to, you know, balance these two different things um, in different ways. But I love that. Um <laughs> Also, another thing that is amazing about you is your relationship with Katrin, which I would love to talk a little bit about because I think it is so rare to find two women who are so competitive and at the top of their sport who also have such a close, supportive relationship. And it's unfortunate in our society that there is this tendency towards jealousy and cattiness and, um, you know, those types of things amongst women. And so I think your relationship is something we can all learn from and would love to just learn more about how you, you know, how you came to develop that relationship. Obviously she, you know, you started in CrossFit first and she was so inspired by you. That was a large part of, of how she became so successful in CrossFit, but how did you all become so close? And it seems fully genuine that you, you both are competitors and you're on the floor. You're both trying to do the best that you can do but you also want the best for each other. You want each other to be, you know, the best versions of yourself. So could you share with us more just about how that came about and how we can all learn from you to, to have more relationships like that? It is a really special relationship. I do agree. And we've often also talked about it. And I've also gotten that question is like, is it real? Like, <laughs> you really want her to do good. I'm like, I know it sounds absurd, but I guess when you develop just a love for each other. Like Mm -hmm. we started as she started training at my gym Mm -hmm. and 
I started coaching her and started like pushing her like, Oh, I think you should go do that competition. Go to Copenhagen and do that one. And I'm like, she has great potential. I didn't know idea she was going to become my competitor, man. She's going to help back. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. And then we ended up, we like didn't train together when I changed gyms. We didn't train together for maybe a year. Mm-hmm. And then she didn't make it. Don't remember the exact timeline, but I think she didn't make it to the games. And then after that, she still came and trained with me mm-hmm. and prepped me for the games. Like she trained uh, with me every day, uh, did workouts against me every day. And like I competed at the games. And then we continued training together. And uh she did move to Boston so we were not together like all the time but we talked a lot and I saw the benefit as well in training with another female that would be good mm-hmm. because like I always just trained with men there was no other girl that was it wasn't like intentional but there wasn't really any other girl that was at the same caliber mm-hmm. and then when you compete it's like you're going out to the floor and you don't know like you're not being with so many other girls. It's like all right. of them are such a competition. And it didn't feel like that with Ken. And I think it's because we both knew the work that we were putting in and we mm-hmm. had so much respect for each other that mm-hmm. it was like, yes, I want to beat you in every single workout. So that gives me that push mm-hmm. to push that little extra that you might not be able to push for. And at the same time, if she will beat me in something, it'd be like, okay, I'm I'm gonna work on that. Like mm-hmm. I need to work on that and respect. Mm-hmm. She just beat me. Like she was just better in that. Like because of that mutual respect that was li- uh, lying there. And then just throughout the years, like like I said, I like talking about <laughs> things. We've had certain things that have come up, but we've always talked through them. And our relationship has always jumped to like the next level afterwards. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I don't know how I found a person like that. Like, I feel so lucky and grateful to have found someone like that, like Kat, that can be my training partner that we have so much fun together. Like <laughs> that is clear. <laughs> and it just makes the days good. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we push each other to be better and we understand each other. We can mm-hmm. talk about that we're going through. We can talk about our emotions. We can talk about our fears. We can talk about our doubts and we can understand it. Like, there's very few people that will that have gone through almost the same things mm-hmm. as we have gone through. Mm-hmm. Being able to talk about that, being able to talk about pressure, being able to talk about contracts or whatever. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't share any, everything. It's like, yes, confidentiality. <laughs> you know, but like, we yes. can talk about the obligations that we feel like we have. We can... She's she's my best friend. Like, yes, Frederick mm-hmm. is my best friend as a partner. My mom is one of my best friends, but Kat is is my soulmate too. Like mm-hmm. it's insane. Like, I don't understand <laughs> how we were so fortunate to find each other that we just make it like our lives are better because mm-hmm. we have each other. 
And that's rare. I don't think everyone even gets to experience that with that many people. Like it's mm-hmm. really, really cool. And then now we're just starting to work more and more together because we want to change the world one, <laughs> one project at a time. Like the children's book that we wrote, that was just like our feelings and our emotions all put into a children's book because those are the the best way to change the future is mm-hmm. with them, helping them. But yeah, it's like, it's, it's kind of crazy to be on the competition floor and I always want to be cat still because I want to be the sure. best in the world, but I would want nothing more than to have her like right next to me in second place. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's how we both feel. Absolutely. It's, it's beautiful. And it is, I love what you said too, about how going through challenges together and working through things help to bring you closer together, which is so rare, you know, to have a relationship like that, where you have such trust and respect and, like you said, love that, you know, you can bring up all the hard things and you know, you'll work through them. And the similarities, like you said, there's no one else. There really, literally is no one else. Who's also from Iceland. Who's also won the games twice. Who's also been through all of the same experiences that you both have been through. And the way that you can relate to each other is really beautiful too. So I'm excited to see what you continue to do together. And I think your, your relationship and your friendship is just such a beautiful example for women, men, obviously too, but just women everywhere to see what it looks like to have this genuine love and respect and um, truly want the best for, for other women. It's just beautiful. I also think that we need to remember like as women that we don't need to tear each other down. We don't need (laughs) to pull someone else down for us to get success. Right. Like let's, Let's use a very easy example. Let's say that you sign a deal with a huge car company or something or Mm -hmm. whatever. And I think it will be very easy to go like, why does she get it? Why didn't I get it? Like, that's so unfair. I feel like I've done more blah, 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 blah. Instead of being Mm -hmm. like, this is amazing. She just opened the door to another like you open the floodgate to hopefully more partnerships mm-hmm. for more women within that industry. Mm-hmm. Like when we break a barrier into something else, when we value ourselves a little bit higher, we're pulling everyone else up as well. Instead of feeling like they're taking away where we're going to be so much better off and we're going to be so much stronger if we all try to support each other. I'm not saying that I'm going to be at the CrossFit Games and be like, oh, pro tip on this here workout, like make sure that you use this, this or that, break it down like this. Like, hell no. <laughs> I'm hoping that I'm going to crush you in that workout and I'm not going to give you any tips. Like <laughs> CrossFit, we're all friendly. Yeah. None of us want each other to fail. We don't want anyone to get injured. We want to win because we're the best, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that I'm going to assist you to beat me. However, outside of the CrossFit games, yes, I will help you. Like I'll give you support. Like Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you tips even like if you want to listen, I'll tell you, but I think it's to help all of us try to rise up together. Mm -hmm. I think we need more of that also outside of the fitness industry. I think we need more of that just in society in general, that we don't need to pull each other down for us to be successful. 
It is so true. And it's so, I think there is this belief or this fear, like you said, this thought of, oh, if I, you know, I need to protect myself or I have this fear mentality. And we realize that once you start all supporting each other, that it gets better for everyone. Like you said, the rising tide lifts all boats. So I, I love that. And I think, you know, CrossFit is such a great example of that. Obviously there's still some of it in CrossFit, but the way that, you know, what it's done for women in general has been incredible. Um, and so the more we can continue that and spread that, like you said, outside of the fitness industry, I think is so important. And I love the projects that you're working on with Katrin and the, you know, the daughter brand that you have. I'm so excited to see the things that you continue to do together. So yeah, we're all <laughs> anxiously awaiting <laughs> what's next. The As we wrap up, I would love, I'm probably, I'm, I'm sure I asked you these questions before, but things have changed, I'm sure, over the last several years. So the three questions that I ask at the end of the podcast are... First, what are the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Boof, on my health. What you have asked me this before? I don't remember what I asked. It was probably a long time ago. <laughs> um, the best impact on my health. I try to have good sleeping patterns. I try to get to bed early enough um, so that I can get, I feel like I wake up fresher, even if I wake up early, if mm-hmm. I just make sure to get to bed early. Um, fueling. I make sure that I am eating enough throughout the day. Um, and obviously as healthy as possible, but like for me, it also just matters that I'm getting, uh, my fueling in and then spending time with my family. That is honestly, I think it makes me the happiest in the world. Just having enough time with them, mm-hmm. quality time. I love that. What's one thing that you think could have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it? Mm. Something you're working on or something that sort of falls to the wayside as you've become busier, more focused on your family. I actually don't know. There's nothing that I'm really working on right now. I, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I could, I could eat less sweets at the moment. Mm. It's fair. <laughs> There's always it something, I guess. I'm but eating a lot of it. I'm not right, eating a lot right. of it, but like probably every night I have a little yeah. bit of chocolate. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That that's great. And I think too, also a testament to just how much this is something I haven't even brought up, but I know how much, how hard you have worked over the years to, like you said, be efficient and find whether it's your training, whether it's your prehab, rehab, whether it's your nutrition, sleep, to find what is the very best for you and hone hone in those details. And every year, I know you just refine them more and more. And we also haven't brought up your coach, but a shout out also to Yami, who's been with you that yes. whole time and in your whole team, which is, which is just really incredible. So a testament that if you, if you focus on it every single day for what, 14 years, maybe you won't have anything. You'll reach a place where you're not like beating <laughs> yourself up over something else. That's um, right. That's right. Last question is what does a healthy life look like to you? Oh, healthy life means having healthy relationships with your closest ones, whether it's your family, your friends. I do think that a good support system is a key for a happy life. And I think exercising, I have to say that like, I 
there are just so many health benefits that come with it, as well as endorphins. I think it can give you confidence. You can feel successful. I think exercising to any level or anything that you enjoy doing <laughs> just give you so much. I love that. And it clearly makes you so happy. And we love seeing, seeing how happy it makes you. Um, so as we wrap up, where can people find you, learn more about what you're doing next, um, follow you on social media? Probably the most active on Instagram. That's that's still my go-to. I'm working on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've not gotten there yet, but apparently it's all the rage. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is fun though. I have found out it's pretty fun. Um, but we're, I'm going to start doing more on YouTube as well. Me and Kat are going to start putting out some things on YouTube. So exciting to look out for. Exciting. I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Well, thank you again so much, Annie. I know you are so busy and I just appreciate the time being able to sit down and catch up with you. And, you know, like I've said, just thank you for being you and for everything that you've done for the sport, for women, for our community. And it's just such a joy and pleasure to see you and all the ways you've evolved and learned and grown and the way that you lead all of us in the sport. So thank you. Thank you. This was amazing. And thank you for what you're doing. Like your podcasts are awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank <laughs> really you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.